Welcome to Crawl Space. I'm Tim here today with Lance. Lance, how's it going today? It is going fantastic today, Tim. You know why it's going fantastic? Why? Well, our guest today is honestly a dream guest, and I can't wait for everybody to experience what we experienced a little over a week ago when we spoke with this person. But, Tim, before we get to that, I want to experience how you're doing. How are you? I am doing great. Thanks a lot for asking. And yeah, this is a lot of fun to be speaking with Melissa Rivers today. Melissa Rivers, of course, daughter of Joan Rivers, legendary comedian Joan Rivers. And Melissa is hilarious and a legendary personality in her own right. And she's got a podcast called Melissa Rivers' Group Text Podcast that we talk a little bit about in this conversation. But mostly this is kind of like a wide-ranging, really random, spontaneous conversation. We talk a little bit about a lot of things in this interview, which isn't really an interview. It is like you just kind of stepped in on someone's conversation and you're eavesdropping. We cover everything, uh, a little bit of true crime, a little tiny bit of true crime. And even that is more like very lighthearted and not to be taken seriously. We talk about TV, movies, children, and finally her mom. I don't know how to express my joy with this conversation. It starts ridiculous and it maintains being ridiculous the entire time. Agree. This is a great conversation. And let us know what you think on social media at Crawlspace Podcast or Crawlspace Pod. And as long as you're out there on social media letting us know what you think, why don't you head on over to the uh, area where you can review the show with a shining five-star rating and review, especially if you listen to the episode without the ads, Tim, which is possible, but they need to know where to go to find this episode and all the other episodes without the ads. And the answer is Crawlspace Premium. You can now subscribe to Crawlspace Premium in the Apple Podcasts app. You get ad-free episodes and early releases and our weekly bonus show. Everyone's talking about the weekly bonus show. And if you're not an Apple user, you can go to crawlspace.supportingcast.fm and sign up for the same product there. All right, we're going to break quick for commercial here. We'll be right back with Melissa. Melissa Rivers. Thanks a lot for listening, everybody. And a thank you to our sponsors. Back to the program. Melissa Rivers, welcome to the podcast. How are you today? I'm good, thank you. And yourselves? We're doing fantastic. And listeners need to know that this is the Melissa Rivers, not another Melissa Rivers. And I just want to welcome you to my final episode of Crawl Space because I don't know if there's another person that we're going to have on that I'm going to get this excited about. So this is probably my retirement episode. So thank you. <laughs> Why are you retiring? Because once you've interviewed Melissa Rivers, there's really nothing else to do. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, but seriously, this is your last episode? No. Um. No. Was, <laughs> I had that joke all written out in my head, and it really was, it, it was going to land a lot better. Well, it landed <laughs> fine, but I was sort of taken uh, by surprise by the retirement announcement simultaneously. Yeah, yeah. I wish I could turn back time. Thought it was because he was uh, getting old and, and can't hack it anymore. <laughs> Don't even talk to me about that. Was it every day? Are you at the point where you get out of bed every day and then you wonder which part of your body is going to hurt the most? I was getting in and out of the car the other day and I just started grunting. I got out of the car and I grunted. Oh, yeah. Nothing hurt, but I was like, why am I now grunting when I get in and out of the vehicle? Yeah, the first couple times you notice yourself doing that, you're like, who's grunting? And then you realize it's, <laughs> it's you. Me. And I've developed this ridiculous fear, probably because I've slipped a couple times. When you get out of an SUV that has running boards, like the things you can step on, that I'm going to eat it because twice in heels, I've like slid on the whole thing. It doesn't matter. Like I am 
terrified getting out of SUVs. And I have one, so it's a daily struggle. Now, was it raining when that happened? No, I just, I don't know if it was like they had just cleaned them or what, but it's happened to me twice in heels. Well, no, one, and once in heels and once not in heels where my foot just went like, just like, and I caught myself on the car. So somehow I have PTSD from that. Those runners are dangerous. They're made for like work boots, like with big, thick tread. Like anything other than work boots, you're slipping off. A drop of water, some ice. Once I closed my head in a car door, have you ever closed your own head in your car door? <laughs> no, but I've bumped my head getting in and out of my car. On a, I'm very clumsy. I'm one of those people who always has bruises. So, you know, the, the you know, the little the, the thing at the bottom of your stairs, usually that you have to like walk around to start going up the stairs, like the bottom of the, of the handrail. Which, I mean... I don't know. I know it has a specific name. Newel post? I am constantly... What? Is that called a newel post? Um, no, but that's close. Hmm. I know that a finial goes on top of it. <laughs> <laughs> this is the greatest conversation we've ever had on the show. I do walk around. Like, I catch myself on the corner of it all the time. I'm always catching my door jams. Like you would think I'd never been in my room before. Yeah. <laughs> Every time I get up, I have to think to myself, because there's two really cool metal tables that kind of fit together that are deadly. So I take like the long way around my room. <laughs> Tim really cut his hand up pretty badly, just kind of swinging his arms the other day at the train station. I did like a real Bigfoot, just, just swinging it against the brick wall. I didn't have to, there was no one walking opposite. It was just a big cut. And, uh, and then I kept opening it as I, uh, would, would put my hand into my pocket. The scab would just keep opening. This is, this was a big problem. I'm not sure how he got onto all this clumsy stuff, but yes, I want yeah. how to stick your head in the car door. Cause I hit my with my car door every day. Melissa, you have to understand, Lance, he's the lead character in an Alexander Payne film uh, <laughs> who, who made Election and Sideways yes. in those movies. Yes. All of those lead characters get injuries. So anytime like something is going on in Lance's life, he gets a physical injury to uh, display what's going on on the inside. Really metaphorical. I have my I have my brace off. I just had hand surgery. So today I'm like, I haven't put my brace on yet because I was doing all my little exercises. And uh, I have stitches on my leg. Let's see what else I have right now. There's always, we, you have no idea how much hydrogen peroxide and band-aids <laughs> we run through. Was it carpal tunnel for your hand? No, I had, uh, this is such a stupid story. I've had skier's thumb for years, which is... You know, like the ligament that holds your thumb and gets stretched out. Oh, I thought I'd only jammed it. And I went around for two weeks. It wasn't getting better. And it turned out I had broken it. Mm. I had fractured it. So when they were looking at that, they were like, oh, by the way, you know that the ligament is hanging on by a thread. You're like, no. I'm like, well, what are my choices? They said, do the surgery or wait for it to rupture. Either or, it's your decision. <laughs> so they got in there and they redid the ligament and fixed the break. And so now I have a cool scar that goes all the way like that. Well, scars are cool. Scars are kind of cool, but you know, my whole thing was I didn't want them to cut into my tattoo. So that was like a whole thing. This is really an incredibly stupid <laughs> conversation. Great. But it's informative. But I feel better <laughs> that there's someone out there who just continuously runs into things. Quite literally. Yeah. Me too. Quite literally. Off air, I'll tell you a much longer story where I smashed my face up on a wall. I was going to actually reference that right now. I mean, I feel like you should just mention it. 
I mean, if we want to hear the story, I, I don't mind telling the story. Sure. Well, this is this is how the Alexander, you're the lead in an Alexander Payne movie. I'll started. give the abridged yeah. version. I lived with my girlfriend. We don't live in the city anymore. We lived in the city. It was during the summer. Parked my car on the street. Went inside. Did some stuff. Took a shower. Came out. And I was wearing like gym shorts and, you know, just like a t-shirt. It was running through my head. I had the sunroof open. So I was like, hmm, I don't think I closed that. So I went out and I walked down to the end of the block, took a left, walked towards my car, saw it, sunroof's closed. It's like, great. Now I have my glasses on. I took my contacts out. It was the end of the day. I had my glasses on and I had the key to the apartment building in my gym shorts pocket. (laughs) So I'm walking back and I'm kind of like kind of trotting back because I, I might have had something cooking or something. I don't know. It, there was no like real rush. It was a light run. It was a, a slow jog. Yeah, slow jog. Fast walk. And I took a right into the parking lot behind the building because that was going to be faster than going around the block. And as I'm kind of jogging up, I maybe pick up the pace a little bit. And as I'm approaching the building, I come to the side of the building. A few thoughts went through my head at the same time. One, I have the keys in my pocket. I need to hold them or else they'll fly out of my pocket. So I put my hand in my pocket and I'm holding the keys. I look at the side door, which is like where they take the, the trash out. It's like the back door to the building. Right. And I know that my key fits that lock. So I take a quick right to go into there and between my glasses and like the reality of the world like the difference between the two i kind of lost my depth perception and i tripped (laughs) on the curb i went to hop up on the curb i tripped on the curb and proceeded to launch my face into the bricks unable to get my hand out of my pocket right into the bricks hit the bricks with my face and then went straight down into the ground so Bam, one hit, then straight down into the ground where I smashed my face on the ground as well. I was so like kind of in shock from the whole thing. All of my muscles just tensed up and I couldn't stand up right away. And I was on the ground like with my hands next to my face and I was going like, like trying to stand up. And finally I stood up and for whatever reason, I wasn't thinking straight. Instead of going in the door that I meant to go in, I walked around to the front of the building, went inside, looked at myself in the mirror and it was pretty awful. It looked like I was thrown from a motorcycle. It looked like I had severe road rash. My girlfriend was away on a work trip and I sent her a picture of it and she was like, what? 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 And I was like, yeah, I I ran into the building. And she's like, what? What? How do you run into a building? And I was like, I I can tell you. (laughs) (laughs) Funny you should ask. Yeah, I think you also had a picture of like blood on the street yep. too, or on the sidewalk, because yep. th- there was there was a yep. bit. Smash my glasses, smash my glasses. Blood on the on the sidewalk. <laughs> as long as you didn't hurt your teeth, that's like the worst. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think I went more forehead like first. I was forehead forward on it, <laughs> um, but I had landed like inches from these stairs that went down to the basement of the building. Ugh. I mean, that, if I had just fallen down the stairs, I, we wouldn't be talking right now. Yeah, I, I I get it. I live with shin with a. I'll wake up with bruises on my shins and just go. Not a clue. Not a clue. <laughs> not a clue. Not a clue. <laughs> like, who the fuck knows? So, I run into so many things. Uh, yeah, good stuff. Melissa, tell us about your podcast, Group Text. Uh, what do you want to know about it? It's fun. Lots of celebrity interviews. I try and keep everything sort of light, I guess. I just don't like that word because it, but I, I, I actively try and make them 
into conversations. So I'll have my notes, but I'm just as happy to take them and throw them over my shoulder if we've gone on to some fun, interesting tangent. Or when I'm preparing them, I'll try and come up with questions that'll spin off of something that the person's talked about or openly talked about or something where it doesn't just become the, so did, you know, what was it like on set? (laughs) You know, or, gee, after you got your first part, you then, you know, it's, you know, one of my favorite questions is always with people, uh, especially with like actors and actresses who have gone on to expensive colleges and maybe gotten degrees that have nothing to do with their chosen field. I always ask, has your mother stopped crying? Because, you know, you get a lot of people, well, I was going to go to law school and then I was in a play. And so I did. And I, I'm like, has your, has your, have your parents recovered? That all, like, I mean, I think of my parents and all the money spent on my education. And I'm a history major. Right. Great. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, that does happen so often. You know, I always like hearing about that, though. You know, I like to talk about stuff that you're not, normally going to talk about and I always start right off the bat because we all do things for a reason so let's just get the plugs out of the way or I say at the very beginning we're going to get to whatever project you're here promoting so that they relax because I know for on the other side I'm like talk about what I'm here to talk about (laughs) you know so I always try and make sure we knock that out in the front or I let them know I'm like hey this is going to come at the end so everybody can sort of relax and have a good time it's fascinating what people are actually interested in. Have you ever gotten a reaction where they just are sort of dumbfounded that they even had a question that applied to something else aside from what they're promoting? I had that happen a couple times, but not on the podcast. In past interviews and stuff like that, there was one that I remember, and I can't say the actress's name, but once we got off of Tell Me About Your Character there was a look of complete and total panic and head spinning to look for the PR person. And it (laughs) literally like stumped them. And it was something so basic. It was, it was a movie that it was a franchise. And I said, well, there's been lots of other people that have played this part, you know, the love interest before who was your favorite. And it's a major, I'm just going to leave it at that. It was the bond franchise. And they went completely dumbfounded by this question. But that to me was always a good one. Like that you literally are so programmed that if anything diverges from the topic, well, you don't ask what was the last book they read. <laughs> you don't ask. Unless you know their readers. You know, another one that's what's the best advice you've ever received. My favorite is what's the worst advice you've ever received that'll stump people because they're not expecting it what's the worst advice you've ever received what's a good answer to that what have you heard oh god you know everything my favorite is always (laughs) i can't even say what my favorite always is (laughs) just make sure you get the dosage right that's always a good piece of oh that is that is a good piece of advice you know and a bad piece of advice would be don't worry (laughs) (laughs) i'm trying to think the worst piece of advice i've ever received oh podcasts aren't going anywhere yeah no i the worst thing is like something like don't worry they grow out of it no one does the second part of 
they grow out of it and into another less than charming phase. <laughs> to, to, an, to an elevated phase of what they were before. Am I allowed to curse yes. on this? Sure. Okay, so, so whenever my son was growing up, someone said, you think you're through the terrible, terrible twos, wait till the fucked up fours. <laughs> like, someone had told me that earlier. The name of your show is really cool. Like, it's a really great name, Group Text. Did this actually come from a series of group texts that you had with your friends? Yes. The original format of the show was much more topic-driven. But then suddenly, like, one celebrity came on. Then it was like, oh, another. And now suddenly it's become more of this celebrity-driven show. But, you know, I was just on my group text this morning with a group of my friends Someone didn't believe I'd used a word correctly, so I had to like look up the, the definition and put, post it back because they were trying to make fun of me. So, and you know, I am on a bunch of different group texts. I'm, of course, on my paddle tennis group text and my pickleball group text. We have one friend that hates being on a group text, so we just keep renaming and he keeps getting off it. So we just keep renaming it and adding it back in. <laughs> There was a friend that blocked a lot of our numbers because of a group text. But no, but all you have to do then is rename it and put them back on it. Okay, that's good to know. I will do that. You know, we have one that's called John Hates Group Text, and there was John Hate group, Hates Group Text 2, 3, 4. <laughs> we just keep changing them and adding him back in. You brought up paddle tennis and pickleball. I used to play some paddle tennis on Venice Beach out there. Some great courts. I went from tennis to paddle, and now I'm doing paddle and pickle. Which do you like better, and what's the difference? They're completely different. You know, one's played with a very light paddle and something that resembles a wiffle ball. One's played with a different kind pickle. of... Pickle. No, pickle's got the wiffle ball, and paddle used a slightly, you know, dead tennis ball... And then, you know, and I still play tennis as well. Have you ever had anybody complain about the noise of pickleball? Well, I play at a club, but there's, in here in LA, people are freaking out about the noise. Yep, yep. Freaking out about the noise. Like, it's crazy. They're putting, my friend lives in like a gated community, and they're putting hours that you can play as rules rather than like, oh, here's the court, sign up. Like, you can only play between like 9 a.m. and 5 p.m. So people aren't listening to the noise the whole time. Which do you like that, paddle or pickle? I haven't played pickle. Paddle's a lot of fun. Yeah, pickle's fun. The ball can't touch the ground in pickle, right? Oh, yeah. It can touch the ground, but it's got weird sort of rules on serving and receiving and returning. And there's certain areas of the court that you can't step in if it hasn't bounced. I mean, there's all sorts of technical rules. And for someone who really appreciates and enjoys the swinging volley at the net, it's taken me a while to adapt to pickle. <laughs> we do have a pickleball court like right up the street. I find the sound soothing. I kind of like the sound. Could you imagine having to listen to it all day, every day? And people are saying it's not just the sound, it's the yelling. The yelling, the grunting probably. Yeah, I can see that. All right. Well, let's put an end to pickleball. It's like a loud clacking, like a wiffle ball sound. Yeah, but mostly it's people laughing and yelling and joking or screaming or you know there's some people that are just they get so competitive that it's ridiculous and i'm a competitive person but not like some of the people i've played with and we'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors thanks to our sponsors and now we're back to the program Speaking of yelling and screaming, we heard that you were a fan of true crime, maybe a bit of a aficionado 
I'm not going to say that's the exact word that was used, but it was the exact word that was used. You know, we talk about true crime on Crawl Space and our other shows. It would be a missed opportunity to talk to you about your passion for true crime. Where did it come from? What are some of the cases, the stories that have captivated you? This is going to sound so bizarre, but it came from my mother, who was always a big true crime junkie. I think the first book I read that was really true crime and sort of set up the whole genre is Truman Capote in Cold Blood, which really created the template from which all of this true crime stories are being told in a sort of a novel meaning book way and with a full story arc and written that way. Huge Ann Rule fan. I just interviewed Gary Cole on my podcast, whose big breakout role was playing Jeffrey McDonald in Fatal Vision, which was not written by Anne Rule, but was one of the big first ones that was produced as a movie, TV show, miniseries. That was the first big one I read. You know, I'm, I, I like Joel McGinnis. And then I like taking a deeper dive. Like, I always ask people, when, and I'm dying to know this about you guys, who's your favorite serial killer? Well, my least favorite, one that scares the heck out of me, is Albert Fish. Was that the one outside of Chicago? I think that's H.H. H. Holmes. Yes. Same era, though. Look, at this is sick that I'm like, no, no, no. Was that the one in the Eric Larson book or in someone else's book? Lance? Can I say Hannibal Lecter? That's a cop-out, right? No. Yeah, because he's fictional. Total cop-out. <laughs> I know, I know. Well, I could use this as a uh, shameless promotion for a new show that we're producing called Dark Valley. I think my favorite serial killer to this point is the Connecticut River Valley Killer. And we're doing a series on the Connecticut River Valley Killer, sort of America's unknown serial killer. But the more we're producing yeah. the information on this, he hasn't been caught. And the more information that keeps coming up is just more and more fascinating. This was in the 70s and 80s, and he still is at large. He's still out there, as far as we know. Which is crazy. I'm a traditionalist, so I got to go Ted Bundy. I love that sort of cool guy on the outside that you would think would have everything and then devious, horrible. Co- and the escape from jail. That Anne Rule book, Stranger Beside Me, was one of the ones that introduced me to true crime. Like I said, I'm old school like that. Like, I agree with you on that. And I'm not saying that John Wayne Gacy is like in my top five, but the clown element of John Wayne Gacy was kind of brilliant. Brilliant. And I'm someone who is terrified of clowns, have been my entire life. So that really shook me, that one. But yet it was almost a little predictable. Yeah, if you were to read the (laughs) script of it, you'd say like, yeah, okay, I get it. Yeah, the guy dressed as the clown. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, kind of obvious. Usually the clown is the bad guy. Yeah. Zodiac's a good one too. Son of Sam, anyone, I'm convinced that my dogs have spoken to me. Tim is actually experiencing a dog as we speak. Like he's got a dog that is communicating to him on some level. My dogs communicate to me all the time. Like, where's my food is generally you'll go as good a place to start. Yeah, yeah. There's this dog. I moved not that long ago and this dog started barking a few weeks ago, just very loud. And it's like a couple of houses away. And I, I'm freaking out. And I can, I can relate to the, the people who don't like the sound of the pickleball just because it's like a constant sound. If there's a constant barking, I, I'm losing my mind. Like, I'm literally out in my yard yelling houses away, shut up! I'm like yelling because I don't know what else to do. I've, I've called the animal control and I, I just don't know what to do. Luckily, it's not barking today. So I'm, I'm sane today. My dogs know exactly what I'm saying because I speak to them in full sentences. I came in the door 
and they came running around the corner. I guess they didn't realize it was me barking. And I looked at one and I go, do you really think this is a good idea? And he just stopped <laughs> and turned around and left. <laughs> so you reason with your dogs? No, I just use the same sort of lines I used in child rearing. So what about showbiz crimes, Hollywood crimes? You mean like people who have sold their soul? Ooh. Which, you know, is a crime against humanity, I suppose, or just Hollywood crimes. Like, you know, there's all, there's so many. Sold your soul is good, but I, I'm wondering, because you mentioned Ted Bundy and there's, and we mentioned Gacy, there was a guy who was like presenting something to the public and then there's something that he's doing that's really disturbing and dark behind the scenes. Is there anyone you've met that could fit that description? And feel free to give us names that, that people aren't expecting. <laughs> give us the names. Um, I can't think of anyone by name that anybody would know, but there are, you know, a number of people that I would not be surprised if they dug up a bone, you know, the dog broke back a femur from the backyard. In Hollywood. Yeah. See, those are people, again, we go back to dogs. If you're going to bury bodies, you can't have a dog because inevitably the dog is going to dig up a, a, a wrist or a tibia. You know, they're going to come back with something. I can't believe you'd talk like that about Tom Hanks. No. <laughs> That's right where my head went to as well. I mean, if anybody, anyone has a tibia buried in their backyard, it's Tom Hanks. <laughs> so what was the last book you read? Ooh, I, I, I have a few going right now. One is about the, you know, all these American women back in the 1900s who married into the uh, English aristocracy because they had so much money and they could save a lot of these families. That was very interesting because a lot of them ended up having very unhappy lives. I am almost finished. I, almost, I only downloaded it two days ago about with the new Sumner Redstone. Sort of the end of his life and all of the crazy that went on with the the two women and the family fighting and the fighting for control of Viacom and CBS and less movies and all of that. Yeah. Very cool. Is that new? Yes. It's brand new. Can you tell us a little bit about your latest book, Lies My Mother Told Me? Lies My Mother Told Me. My writing partner and I started it during COVID. Because, well, it started slightly before because people kept asking me, what would your mother be saying to all of this? And it started out sort of as like an article of what would my mother be saying about this? And it took a turn for the silly. And then we're like, well, maybe it's a series of essays. And then we realized that it was a book. You know, we were just making stuff up. Like, you know, when people kept saying, what would your mother be saying about all this? I was like, mm, you know, whatever. And come up with a joke. And the next thing you know, we had a whole series of essays based on lies my mother told me, and we have made up the lies. People kept saying, are these true? I'm like, no, my mother did not meet the Pope at theater. They did not exchange numbers and are texting. You know? <laughs> like, I um, need to know where the picture came from that's on the cover of that book. That's mine. It's, it, it makes me smile a lot that is a picture is very funny thank you you know i had taken like a bunch in a row and that was just one of them that was still on my my camera <laughs> like i just dug that one out of somewhere and went oh this is perfect <laughs> it really this is. is perfect 
wearing a tiara and a glass of wine and going, looking like she's saying like, what? You doubt me? <laughs> you doubt me that I'm telling you the truth? I was catching up on your podcast. I have not listened to this episode, but I'm going to ask you about it anyway, because in the past year, my girlfriend and I have been pretty much hooked to the Great British Bake Off. And <gasps> you you interviewed Paul Hollywood and Prue Leith. I have to live vicariously through you for, for like five minutes here. What was that like? I'd love to take the fifth on this one. <laughs> Shots wow. fired. Well, no, I, I thought Prue was going to have more of a sense of humor. And so a lot of what I had written, you know, notes were kind of funny. Mm -hmm. And like teeing them up to be funny. And Paul chuckled a little here and there but clearly was doing something on another screen simultaneously. <laughs> oh, no. What was he doing? Baking? I don't know. You know, and I'm over here weeping of, with joy that I get to speak to them. Well, damn. It just was like, it bummed me out. You know what it is? It's probably the British thing. It's probably like, a, a, like an impasse or something there. No, it's just I thought Prue was going to have a very different kind of sense of humor. Mm -hmm. And I even tried to talk to her about fashion. Yeah. And I tried to, you know, and it didn't really go anywhere. And then with Paul, he was literally looking off camera at a screen <laughs> the entire time and was like doing this. That's, wow. Wow. So freaking bum me out. That's too bad. Oh, bum boy. me out. But Paul actually does have a sense of humor. Like I would say something and you hear him sort of half hear it and then he would start to laugh. It doesn't make me love the show any less, but I think I was, I was so excited. Yeah. I was so excited. Just like when I got to interview Captain Sandy from Below Deck and I interviewed Captain Glenn. Like I, like I freak out. Those are two of my big shows. I've been down a few other rabbit holes lately, like Succession. I haven't done Succession. Is this worth it here? So good. So I started it when it first came on the air and I was like, eh, I watched like three episodes. I went back to it and was like, oh my God, like <laughs> completely caught up and have to wait every Sunday now. Speaking of HBO though, that show Hacks. I don't know if you've seen that show. Yes. I love that show. And when I first saw that show, your mom came to mind as Deborah Vance. Did that happen to you as well? Oh, yeah. Everybody all the time. You know, that and, and Mrs. Maisel, which I've never watched, but I have watched Hacks. I'm a huge Gene Smart fan. And I think it's hilarious. And obviously, it's all nuggets of information. The similarities end with comedian and selling stuff on a home shopping channel. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsor. And a thank you to our sponsors. Back to the program. Are there any fashion trends out there today that we should know about? I feel like I'm wearing a very fashionable crawlspace polo. Just curious your thoughts on that. Polo, always solid, never goes out of style. You know, a versatile piece of clothing. <laughs> Shorts, jeans, you could even pop a sport coat over it if necessary. Right. It's like the little black dress. Which he does own. I assume as well. With the crawlspace logo. Of course. 
Why wouldn't it? Always. Always. What about floral patterns on men? You know, leave it. Just certain people can do it and certain people can't. Harry Styles can. Most other men cannot. That's pretty much it, yeah. As I've said about a bunch of people on the red carpet, just because Harry Styles can do it doesn't mean you can. I don't think I can do it. It's not a me thing, but Lance can do it. I think Lance can pull it off. He also had blue hair recently, True. Melissa. Just curious your thoughts on that. How? Why? Just boredom? Uh, <laughs> I just wanted to change, you know, I was getting the gray coming in and I did the blue, did that a couple of times and then it doesn't change anything. You know, there's no change in your life when you have blue hair other than you're explaining to people why you have blue hair. Did you do it yourself? No, no, I'm not that brave. Back in the day when everyone was dying just the bottom of their hair, I really wanted to do it. My longtime hair colorist said no, so I went ahead and did it myself. Nice. And like in the sink with like the manic panic, which was what everybody was <laughs> using and the whole thing. So I went through that phase. You know, I keep thinking, oh, I'll do it again. And then you think, no, I won't. You know, I keep threatening to do it, but why? There's a lot of maintenance that goes into it. And then the pillow in the bed is like blue ew <laughs> did you just have semi-permanent color you know like right after you get the hair dye done for like a day or two while it's kind of bleeding out i have a couple old towels that i put on yep. my pillow at night right after i've had my hair color done what about actors or actresses who have portrayed a serial killer, but one based on an actual serial killer. Which ones stand out to you? It goes back to what we started, which is Gary Cole. Yeah. Who is, is the, the podcast uh, is going to come out, I think, next week. He played the Joel McGinnis one from Fatal Vision, Jeffrey McDonald. What about you, Tim? I'm not sure. I, I, I don't really know. Uh, there's been these like really high profile actors playing these serial killers lately. Oh, yeah. You know, with uh, Zac Efron playing Bundy and uh, the kid from American Horror Story playing Dahmer. He was great. Yeah. He, he's a really good actor. I mean, both both really are. Speaking of serial killers, did you watch the Steve Carell? Yes. The Patient. The Patient. That show absolutely blew my mind. Oh, so good. Have you seen it yet, Tim? I haven't finished Whew. it, I have to say. It, it is pretty good, but like, I feel like the guy who plays the killer, almost like a comedy actor who's cast, I mean, obviously Carell is too, but he's a comedy actor, it seems like, who's cast as uh, a serial killer. I don't know, maybe it's just me with the tone. I hear you on that. I mean, there are moments in that show where you can't help but just kind of sneak a laugh out. Well, it's written that there are a few things where you're going to laugh but you're laughing and it's still horrible because the guy says some funny things yeah interesting casting there i don't know i feel like the casting the really handsome hollywood actor though is is not a trend that should continue no i mean you know there are have been some notable performances but you know cast so much of anything being successful comes down to casting oh i would have to go with Charlize theron for uh monster for arlene warnos she was yeah great in that Talk about an attractive actor who's cast and just doesn't rely on the looks there. It's all about the performance. It's like a masterpiece, but like I can't watch it again. I don't think I'd be able to rewatch The Patient again. No. You put a lot into that, like emotionally. The last year or so, I have not wanted to watch anything that, as I say, makes me work. Yeah. I don't want to work. I just want to be entertained. I don't want to be taken on an emotional journey. I don't want to cry. I just want to be entertained. I feel like that was the way I felt about um, like Game of Thrones and Walking Dead. 
after a while, I was just like, I can't get attached to a fictional character and just be on edge for like an hour once a week. Like, it's just too much for me. Well, I came to the Game of Thrones thing late. Again, I watched the first couple episodes when they came out and I was like, eh, not for me. Granted, I watched them on a plane, so that probably wasn't fair. And then going into the last season and there was all this crazy and this and that. I'm like, well, maybe I'll check it out again. And I ended up binge watching the entire series to the point, again, where I caught up in real time where they were on the last season. That was like a succession. Like I came into it late. I came into the Americans late and ended up going back and watching that whole thing and loved it. There's some shows that you just, they don't grab you the first time. Better Call Saul did that to me. I tried watching that for the first couple of episodes, maybe like half the first season. I'm like, it's just not grabbing me right now. And then went back to it, blew through it. It's amazing. It's just funny how like you just have to be in that mindset. You just, it just has to be the right time. Have you guys, um, has anyone else watched uh, Shrinking? Oh, yeah. I really like that. It's so cute. On Apple. Yeah. Jason yeah. Siegel and Harrison Ford and uh, some other fantastic cast members. Yeah, that's a great show. Yeah, that's super fun. Speaking of Harrison Ford, is it time for him to stop flying? <laughs> I mean, I enjoy Harrison Ford. I don't want this to happen. No, I'm sure his family feels the same way. Why, did he crash again? No, just in general. Time to, you know, at one point you say, you know, maybe you should only fly with a co-pilot. Yeah, you never know what's going to happen. <laughs> but it's like anything, when you try and take the car keys. A friend of mine is going going through trying to take the car keys from her 80-something-year-old father, and it's a knockdown drag out. So could you imagine, you know, trying to take someone's airplane keys away when that's, like, the thing he loves to do? Hey, apparently he jumps out of a plane in Indiana Jones 5, and, and he's, he's okay. He's amazing. <laughs> he's amazing. He is one of those people who's just unapologetically him. Mm -hmm. He is. He's great. So good in shrinking, too. Yeah. Wasn't a fan of him in um, What Lies Beneath. Harrison Ford is Harrison Ford. He's not a murderer. Spoiler, Oh, Lance. whoops. That's the twist at the end of the oh. movie. <laughs> Jesus Christ. What, are you going to tell us Bruce Willis is dead in The Sixth what? Sense next? <laughs> that rosebud is a sled? Oh. What else are you going to give A sled? <laughs> now you've ruined it for me. All the spoilers come out in this episode. That's the real crime here. Yeah. <laughs> end up happy at the end of singing in the rain? No way. What? It's altogether too much. I can't let this conversation go by without saying Tim and I were talking about your mom and I didn't think I was serious until I started thinking about it. I think her best role was that in Spaceballs. And I just wanted to get your thoughts on that. <laughs> I no idea. People do love it. I, I think, you know, I could go all deep and say her best role was mother and grandmother. Oh. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, she's just, she was just so funny and completely different in real life funny and performance life funny. Like there was, the brain still went at a certain speed, but her real life funny was much sillier. Or as she would often say, very sophomoric. She loved pranks. She loved just being stupid silly you know what I mean? like so her best friend is this woman margie who has you know sort of bobbed blonde hair you know of a certain age always wears dark glasses always is dressed 
you know, very much like in black in this very New York. And it was during the Madoff scandal. And there was a restaurant that they always go to. And they had their little back corner where they always sat. And it was always my mom and Margie and Margie's husband and usually like another one of their friends or whatever. But they always sat in this little back corner. So my mom gets there before Margie and her husband and says in a stage whisper to this maitre d' as they're walking through this, just be aware it's Ruthie Madoff, and she really is trying to stay under the radar. So make sure you don't say anything. And so my mom goes and sits down. <laughs> and Margie walks in. The place, goes, it was a small restaurant, goes silent. And she said everybody was like hissing and shaking fists. At her. Margie's like, what is going on? And my mother told her, and she had to stand up at the rest and go, I am not Ruth Bader. <laughs> and at that point, people are probably like, sure you're not. Sure you're not. That's yeah. exactly what she but would it was, say. That's the shit my mom loved to do. Like, you would never expect she and Margie, the two of them got into so much trouble together, would just randomly walk up to people on the street in New York and say, excuse me, can we ask you a question? Now, these are two women at the, in their mid to late 70s doing this. And they walk up, excuse me, which of us is prettier? Just <laughs> 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 people on the street. <laughs> you know, that was her real life humor, which was very silly. How do you think she like honed that difference between her stage humor and her real life humor? She could have easily been that silly on stage. Um, a lot of times she was without you realizing it. On stage, it was much more observational versus you in real life. You could not be silly enough. You know, you can look up interviews where she says the person who makes her laugh hardest in the world was my son, Cooper. Does anyone else have kids? Yeah, I have a couple of kids. Have you ever seen, you know, those funny joke extender forks? Sure. My mother at every dinner with Cooper would whip that out and start poking at his food. And the two of them would get hysterical. <laughs> hysterical. That was what in, in real life made her laugh. And anytime she could embarrass and humiliate me, that was always a good one too. <laughs> Yeah, that that one I, I definitely get that. It's real fun to embarrass well, your kids. Oh, then my. you will understand this. Why the question? The answer of the question: Why do grandchildren and grandparents get along so well? Common enemy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <Aww>. definitely. <laughs> We probably didn't get to anything you guys were prepared to talk about. Well, that's okay, because we've been accused of meandering from time to time, which is totally fine. I feel like you get more out of the uh, interaction when it's not as, like, bullet-pointed out. I do have one one quick—it might not be a quick question, but I do have one more question about your mom and the comedic legend that she became and still is— what was that like as far as like her navigating an incredibly like male dominated industry? I know this feels like a question you probably get all the time and you've probably heard this, but it's really rare to actually get to ask this question. She was like a pioneer. How did she navigate that? I never know quite how to answer that. I think in her only twice in my life do I ever remember her saying, 
this would have been so much easier if I were a man. And I think because she always said, I didn't want to be the funniest woman in the room. I wanted to be the funniest person in the room. When I went on stage, I didn't want to be the funniest women com woman comic. I wanted to be the funniest comic you saw that night. And I think she was so determined and single focused and blinders were on and it was all about moving forward. And as someone once put it very, very um, succinctly to me, and it was about my mother and Barbara Walters, they had to build the doors that they then had to kick in. I can't take credit for saying that. I just repeat it without giving credit. <laughs> oh, it's all good. <laughs> No, that's great. <laughs> I love watching you guys because it takes you a second to figure out if I'm joking. Yeah, no, this is it's not an internet delay. This is us processing. <laughs> She's like, I think your camera froze up. I'm like, no, this is just my <laughs> like, face. That's our thinking face. Yeah. Well, Melissa, yeah, this has been a uh, an honor speaking with you, and we uh, we really appreciate it. Thank you. My pleasure. 